And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. The Athletic. Gabriel, who got it clear. A lovely turn that by Gabriel Jesus. And what a three ball as well. And Martinelli is in to make it 1 0. Brilliant! What a goal from Arsenal. Right at the end of this first half. The only way to score is, of course, to play uh, with a handbreak off. Hello, I'm Ian Stone. This is Handbrake Off, the Arsenal podcast, brought to you by The Athletic. As you will well know by now, Arsenal went top of Group B in the Champions League last night, beating Sevilla 2-1, or uh, as Martin Keown insisted on calling them on the commentary yesterday, Seville. (laughs) Anyway, we beat Sevilla 2-1, thanks to two sumptuous contributions from uh, Gabriel Jesus. Uh, I'm joined by Adrian Clark and James McNicholas, who has just walked in the door from being at the stadium. Uh, some atmosphere last night, James, by the way. It was pretty spicy, actually. Yeah, really amazing atmosphere. And they were bang up for it, the Sevilla fans. I keep calling them Seville now as well. I've inherited that from Martin Keown. It's very anglicised. <laughs> yes. Uh, <laughs> it was very noisy at kickoff, and they had these incredible sort of fan displays um, and like the main one over the main stand says no one loves you like we do and I was like oh that's nice it must be about the team I only later realised that it was a big picture of the Europa League trophy so although this was a Champions League game it was all all the displays were about this club's love for the Europa League um, but the way their results are going in the competition they might well soon be in it again oh, and they do they do love that competition don't they we'll talk about the game in a second uh, and obviously, it's related to the game. Gabriel Martinelli scored again last night. It's a constant menace throughout the game. And it has been discussed uh, on social media and WhatsApp circles what an absolute steal he was. We got him for £6 million from Ituanu uh, in Brazil. Uh, so we were thinking about bargains, essentially. I mean, we've talked a lot about Declan Rice being a £105 million bargain, and he certainly seems that way again after last night. We'll definitely talk about him. But we wanted to know what your, what your favourite bargain was. What's the bargain that gives you a warm feeling adrian <laughs> well it's funny you should say that um because it's it's about a sleeping bag um, so it, it did give me a warm feeling uh, a little bit but it, it's one of the worst bargains actually that I've, that I've ever bought um daylight robbery some might call it um see i went to the isle of wight festival a few years ago i'm not a festival veteran I don't think I'd ever really been in a tent before. And um, I needed a sleeping bag, didn't I? I never (laughs) really had a sleeping bag. So everyone kept telling me, oh, you need a good sleeping bag. You've probably got to spend a couple of hundred quid at least on a decent sleeping bag. So so I'm looking around. I think I'm not spending that. I'm never going to use it again. So I've seen this bargain one online. Great reviews. I think it was 40 quid. I was like, happy days. So I bought it. It arrived. I didn't even take it out of its wrapper. We got to the festival. And when I did it, it was fit for a seven or eight-year-old. Um, LAUGHTER 
<laughs> it was a child's one. <laughs> nice. So I thought, I'd been telling everyone what a bargain sleeping bag I'd got as well. I'd bragged about it. And there I was, basically up to my waist and waist only um, for, for the duration of that weekend. So, yeah, I thought I had a bargain, but it wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I didn't, I've got to be honest, that didn't go the way I was expecting it to go. <laughs> There's an interesting thing, because I've gone for something that actually cost me a fair bit of money, which was a coffee machine. I spent a bit of money on a coffee machine. But honestly, I've used it so many times, and and I absolutely love this machine, and it was worth every penny. So uh, I'm going for that, really. And it turns out it was an adult coffee machine as opposed to a child's (laughs) coffee machine, which obviously produces smaller cups of coffee. Um, James, what about you? What's what's your favourite bargain? Yeah, I've got... I mean, there's a few. There's a couple of, like clothing items I've bought in charity shops that have really lasted me and been invaluable. I had one hoodie. It was perfect. I bought it one summer because it was like, I wanted a layer, but it was very thin. And I've never been able to find another one like it. So I've still got it to this day. But really, I'm a bit like you, Ian. My my bargain is a bit of a luxury. Um, it's, it's probably my telly. And my telly is a sort of Declan Rice of TVs, if you will. (laughs) You know, 105 million. It looks a lot, but, you know, it's it's very, very handy indeed. Um, I'm using it every day. I'm using it professionally (laughs) to watch the football on. (laughs) If if there was a fire in my flat, once the wife and child were, were clear... I'd be trying to get that telly out of a window, I suspect, and failing. But, you know, I do love it. You can get the wife to carry it with you. That's, That's like two birds point. and one stone. I'll say stay behind while the flames <laughs> encroach. We need to unplug the TV and get it out. <laughs> I mean, it's an interesting point though, isn't it? Obviously, Gabriel Martinelli was uh, incredibly cheap, uh, but he was young. Was it better than Chelsea, by the way, that one? Was it Was it better than Chelsea, Adrian, when he, when he ran the length of the pitch? Oh, the move was better. The move was better because it was all it was about the assist, and we're going to get on that. The the assist from Jesus was absolutely majestic. So yeah, I think it was better than Chelsea. That pitch as well was heavy. bumpy, wasn't it? That was it was heavy. bumpy, and 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 to the close control and. I mean, I'm not saying I had no doubt at all because what happened was on the WhatsApp group, we then started going through goals where people have been through on goal and are they going to score? And we went back to Nicholas and Elka scoring against Blackburn from Nigel Winterburn's ball over the top when we were 3-0 up or 3-1 up, whatever it was. And then Elka went through and I had absolutely no doubt that he was going to round the keeper and score. But uh, because Gabriel Martinelli had missed that earlier chance, I thought, oh, but he took it so well, so well. It was Sevilla 1, Arsenal 2. They've won 28 out of their last 31 European home games. These are no pushovers, James. Obviously, we saw, I know Man City beat them 4-0 there and I think Dortmund did the same to them. But most of the time, that is an incredibly hard place to go and not just to win, but really, aside from the last 10 minutes, it was sort of comfortable, wasn't it? Yeah, and I think had Arsenal not conceded quite a sloppy goal, really, from a set piece, it it would have been substantially more comfortable. I mean, a good deal of those games probably came in their beloved Europa League, but nevertheless, it has been a bit of a fortress for them in Europe. I thought this looked to be, on paper, Arsenal's hardest game of the group. The stakes were pretty high. You know, had they lost, there was a potential scenario where they could end up the night at the bottom of the table. Uh, Instead, they're on the top. I think this is a really, really critical result and one that puts Arsenal in a really strong position. You know, they've got some attractive looking home fixtures coming up. If they win a couple of those, I I think they're going to be practically over the line. 
And Adrian, this is this is a a team, our team, without a huge amount of European experience aside from a couple of players, against a team with an enormous amount of European experience. And I think that's a big jump in their learning, isn't it? A game like last night. It was an educational evening's work, wasn't it? Especially the way that the the match turned out as well, because we kept them at arm's length in the first half, pretty much controlled it and then got the two goal lead and then things went wrong with the, with the concession and then they, they got up ahead of steam. So it, it turned out to be a real examination and I was delighted with the response. I, I thought as a collective, they were very, very resilient and they stayed calm. There was, there was, there was no real real sign of panic. Maybe one punch from David Wright towards the end will we'll no doubt get to that. Um, but yeah, no, it was it was a night that will give the team massive confidence and belief going forwards in Europe. The Man City win was huge in terms of giving them that injection of confidence that we can manage games against City and win and do it in a slightly different way to normal. And until you've won away at a place like Sevilla in the Champions League, you don't know if you're capable. Now they know they, they're good enough, don't they? So, yeah, that was a very, very good evening for, for Mikel Arteta and the players. I was just going to say, I think for the manager, it's a really big result. Like City, you know, that was a kind of landmark for him, something he'd been looking to do for a long time. And when you look at his time at Arsenal, he was probably maybe missing a, a really sort of convincing big away win in Europe. Our record hasn't been the best necessarily on our travels uh, historically. So I think this is a really big night for him. I suppose being back in Spain as well, he will have enjoyed it all the more. <laughs> yeah, emotional. We didn't, you know, we didn't, we don't have a great record going away in Spain, uh, in Europe. So three wins from seventeen, Stony. Yeah, yeah it's it's wins. impressive. The other thing also was there was a bit of emotion with the evening with uh, Jose Antonio Reyes. Great memories. He was my roommate. We spent quite a lot of time together. Fantastic character, very special personality, um, and an incredible football talent. And uh, yeah, played for for both clubs. Um, it's part of our history in a big way because he was part of the Invincibles as well. And uh, and yeah, hopefully he's up there. I'm feeling proud for both clubs. And tomorrow is, it will be a very special night for him. James, they were singing his name, weren't they? Both sets of fans. Yeah, full time. You know, once the Arsenal players had uh, received their kind of rapturous applause from the fans, that was the name you could hear singing round and round the fans were kept behind the stadium and they were singing Jose Antonio Jose Antonio um, I actually went to Utrera where Jose Reyes is from there's a statue uh, that they built of him there a little football stadium out there his family still live there and uh, yeah I'm going to be writing something about him and his memory probably in time for when we play Seville in a couple of weeks' time. But an emotional night for a lot of reasons and for a lot of people involved with the club who obviously knew Reyes. Don't forget, Edu played with him as well. Arteta at youth level. You know, Reyes' father says that Arteta and Reyes were like brothers when they were kids. So I'm sure that would have meant a lot. And Arsenal made a presentation to Sevilla before the game, which uh, I know was really warmly received. And yeah, it's just... Football moves so fast, sometimes you don't have time to stop and think and kind of really take in what it means that that player is is gone and and gone so young. So, yeah, that was a touching moment, certainly. Quite. Uh, The Arsenal 11 had one change from the Chelsea game. Takahiro Tomiyasu coming in for Alexander Zinchenko. Do you know what? Before we talk about the goals, can we talk about uh, Tomiyasu? He's, I think... Adrian, a better iteration of the player that we bought. I mean, I think when we bought him, he was a defender. 
That's my feeling about him. And we went, oh, yes, he's our right back forever. Obviously, a lot of things changed. And Ben White stepped in and was absolutely brilliant. And then Tommy got injured. And we all talked last season, at the end of last season, about what a big miss William Saliba was. And he was a huge miss. But Tommy was out as well. And he would have been an able deputy to step in. But now he stepped in for Zinchenko at left back. I mean, I'm of of a mind that he is first team now. Yeah, he's the, well, you want in, in, in the toughest test, you want your best defenders, don't you? Especially away from home. And look, we had four centre-halves effectively across the back line last night with White and, and Tommy Asu at full-back. And when you're up against a team that are really good out wide, they put good crosses into the box, as we saw later on, and they've got one of the best headers of the ball in, in European football in, in Nesri, it made total sense to to play four centre halves, the set piece threat as well. No, we conceded from one, but but yeah, it was it was a really intelligent selection, and I think Zinchenko has got a lot to prove to the manager to get himself into the starting eleven for the biggest matches moving forward. Well, that's certainly my feeling, and 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 James. I mean, yeah, he's a great defender. The first time I really saw him on the pitch was at centre-forward. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's adding that to his game, certainly, <laughs> uh, popping up in areas of the pitch. He's done it a couple of times, hasn't he? I mean, he got forward for the uh, the goal against Man City. He was the one who came, he had a shot in the first 10 minutes. I mean, he likes to get forward. There were a couple of instances in the second half against Chelsea as well, where he made uh, runs, forays into the final third. The, the, the biggest compliment I can pay him is that we barely talk about the absence of Julian Timber from this squad. You know, he was bought in the summer ostensibly as someone who could play both fullback positions. And I think actually, had he been fit, I suspect we would have seen quite a lot less of Tommy Asu. I think he would yeah. have taken a lot of those minutes. But in his absence, Tommy Asu's come in and he's now showing the kind of level of performance that he did in his first season with Arsenal, whether it be at right back or at left back, or he's played at centre half, played there against Brentford in the in the Carabao Cup. He seems to be over those injury problems and he seems to have some confidence back in this game. So not surprised he, he got the, the pick here, the selection. And, you know, there's a couple of away games next week, one at West Ham in the Cup, one at Newcastle in the Premier League, which is a really big game. I take Adrian's point. I think Zinchenko will start the weekend, but I could see Tommy Asu starting both of those games next week. Yeah, quite. Uh, let's talk about the first goal. Gabby to Gabby to Gabby. I think that might be the first time that's ever happened. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, clearance from Gabriel Magalhães and then that bit of magic from Gabriel Jesus. James, I mean, you were in the stadium. You saw it happen. I mean, it's amazing how little space there is on a football pitch and then how much there is with just a little swivel and a, and a dummy. Um, I've seen a few players. I'm sort of reminded of how Robson Cardo in the penalty area for Wales in the quarterfinal of the Euros, he did a similar thing. He sent about two or three defenders going completely the wrong way. And Gabriel Jesus, with that turn, he suddenly opened up the entire pitch. And then after that, it was just a case of whether uh, Gabby Martini is going to put it away. I think how Robson Carnu will be delighted uh, with that mention there. Uh, I don't know whether Gabriel <laughs> you know Jesus will take us kindly <laughs> to the comparison, but listen, I remember the goal. It was a great goal. And I always had a soft spot for how Robson Carnu because of his, his name, obviously. He was in the Arsenal Academy, I found out recently. How yeah. was he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. There, there you go. go. Oh, there you there go. You it's go. all coming together, <laughs> isn't it, really? Boy. You make a great point about the size of the pitch. 
I don't know if it was just where I was sat. We were sat right up at the top, but it did look like quite a big pitch. And Arsenal, a lot of the time, the game they were playing was in the Seville half, right? I, I noticed on several occasions, all 10 outfield players for Arsenal would be camped in the Seville half. David Raya, you know, about halfway towards the halfway line. <laughs> yeah. And Seville were the team looking to make the pitch bigger. Sergio Ramos playing these big diagonals out to the wings, obviously trying to get, you know, an overload on the flank and get crosses in towards that centre forward. And then the, the kind of goal that was scored, I don't think it's something Arsenal could really have planned for. A counter-attack came out of nothing and just a, a piece of absolutely audacious skill from Gabriel Jesus. You know, Champions League, these games are always going to be tight. It's rarely going to be a stroll. And what you're looking for is someone with the quality to make the difference. And he absolutely did that. That was just sensational you know I think even the Spanish media around me were applauding that one because the term was just beautiful yeah when you see that Adrian Mm. football looks so easy didn't it when it's done and it wasn't just the turn was it it was the weight of the through ball as well I mean Gabriel Martinelli was already off he was on his bike and the thing was he'd had a one-on-one earlier and that shows you the confidence of the kid that you know he has a one-on-one I thought he could have maybe chipped it over the goalkeeper I thought that was a very good chance and I was a bit gutted that he missed it but it didn't seem to affect him the second time, did it? It really didn't, no. He was really, really calm. I, I just, yeah, the turn was just brilliant. and and But the, the through ball was perfect. And I love the intuition between the two of them as well. I don't think Jesus really even needed to look up. He knew that Martinelli would be on his bike. And it was hard because that pitch was heavy and he was pulling up a little bit but luckily it was Sergio Ramos chasing him and he looked like he had a parachute on his back I mean he was he was he was, yeah. he was at jogging pace for most of it so I think Acuna as well and I don't think he was much faster no, exactly. to be honest so, but yeah I, I love the way I love to see players have the confidence to take it around goalkeepers you don't see it as much these days as no, you, as you, you did in the past and um, yeah no it was one of my favourite goals for a long time, actually, yeah, just just because of the 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 assist and then the execution, it was it was just glorious football. Tonight was the first time two players with the same first name combined for a European goal for the Arsenal since Ian Wright set up Ian Selly against Bromby in 1994. It's just madness, isn't it? You wow. thought it would be the other way around. Uh, Tom, if you're listening, Tom, Tom Ead. Have three players ever combined before tonight? I can't imagine they have. Gabriel Martinelli joined Bukayo Saka in scoring on his Champions League debut, which means the Brazilian has scored on his first start in the Champions League, the Europa League, the Premier League and the League Cup quite some record Gabriel Jesus though obviously with the assist uh, and then got an absolutely brilliant second goal I mean it was Declan Rice who we will come to steaming forward with another one of those runs gave it to Gabriel Jesus and you're thinking alright he's got some work to do cut inside didn't see he had a look didn't see anything on and just buried it in the top corner James I mean we've talked about how you know we need a striker and another I mean if he's going to score goals like that, we don't. <laughs> I agree. If he can do it with the kind of regularity we expect. I mean, he does in the Champions League. I think his record's very, very good in the competition. Something like a goal every other game, which is... Over a goal every other game. Yeah, that's what fact. you're looking for, for, yeah. for, for from a top striker. Last night, I think 
his teammates were just absolutely in awe of what he did for them. You know, he won the game almost single-handedly with the assist and the goal and the way they mobbed him after that strike bent into the far top corner, I think told you everything. Players were off the bench hugging him. There was a lot of slapping of his head going on. A lot. Um, <laughs> a lot. I mean, if he hasn't got a hamstring problem, he might have a head injury, to be honest, the way they were hitting him. But uh, yeah, listen, he, he was brilliant and it was a sensational goal. Afterwards, Arteta was asked, you know, what did you prefer? And actually, he went for the first one. He he said, I want to see that turn again. I think that was the purest choice. But I couldn't argue if someone said they preferred the second. I was behind the angle of the shot and the way it arced into that top corner was just lovely. The way, uh, Adrian, that when he hit it, his whole body lifted off mm. the floor. I mean, he, it couldn't, it was a, such a pure strike, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, it was picture perfect, wasn't it? From Gabriel Jesus and... Yeah, I love to see that, especially when you're behind it, as we were watching it on the TV. It always looks a little bit nicer. So yeah, it was a it was a virtuoso performance. He he was pretty much unplayable. I actually at half time on the show that I was doing the breakdown live, we I, I had it as one of my things on the running order that we would praise Gabriel Jesus for his performance. Obviously, it happened in was it fourth minute of injury time in the first half yeah. where, where we made that assist. I thought he'd been excellent until that point. I thought he'd been really bright. He'd held it lovely. He'd he'd been a, a bit of a menace. And yeah, for, for that first hour, he was sensational. I don't think there's any other word really for it. And you, you wish he'd, we'd see more of that in the Premier League. I, I do wonder there's something about the Champions League football and the style of continental opponents that that make life easier for Gabriel Jesus or whether it's just the stage I'm not not entirely sure but he does seem to turn it on doesn't he in Europe the stats would certainly back that up they do back that up and, and James you've written a piece about him and, and harking back to when he first turned up and we all saw him really in pre-season Mm. before that that performance against, what was it, Palace away in the first game when we all went, oh my God. <laughs> but I think it was before that he's lifted this club, hasn't he? I mean, I mean, it's, you know, there's a few players who've done that in the past. Canton, Arthur Maynard, Dennis Bergkamp for us. Gabriel Jesus could have a similar sort of transformative effect on the club. Yeah, he changed our world, was Arteta's words after the game. I can't don't think you can get much more emphatic than that when speaking about a player's impact. I think we have to remember as well, he did sustain a pretty serious injury uh, last year at the World Cup and there's been a big recovery for him. So even though we got him back towards the end of last season, he is a player who's so physical in his approach. I think he really relishes a lot of those duels, a lot of those contacts with centre-halves and his ability to go into those challenges... I think it takes time for any player to kind of regain that confidence in their body in those moments. And I think we're seeing now, obviously he had a little layoff at the start of this season, that he's finding that rhythm. And it's a big thing for Arsenal because, you know, if there is maybe an area of the team that people are a little concerned about or talking about, it's, you know, are we, have we found our attacking fluency? Are we creating enough? And having Gabriel Jesus back on the pitch is going to help us do that undoubtedly because he brings that chaos factor to proceedings and his interaction and his understanding with Gabo Martinelli particularly, I think on that left-hand side is, is really important for the team. Well, fingers crossed that it's not too bad. What's that? Yeah. Go on, and, and very quickly, in, in, in a season where opponents are, are definitely trying to stop us playing through the middle, every team we come up against is, is really blocking up that central path to, to Erdegaard and we're going to get onto that a little bit later, but sometimes you've got to go long and early. And 
he's a great guy, even though he's not the biggest. He chases Strong. things. He gets on the end of things, doesn't he? And and he will back into someone and hold it up. And he will spin down the channel. I think he's a great outball. And, and we saw that with that goal. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard it right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask me. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. We were a bit uh, with the handbrake at time. It's time. Adrian Clark and James McNicholas here, fresh off the plane from Sevilla. Slightly disappointed, as we mentioned. Sevilla got one back uh, through Goodale. A bit soft, really, and, and and Gabriel Jesus had him. But I just tend to think, get one of the centre-halves on one of those big guys. But obviously, it's just not the way it works really now. The setup wasn't right, was it? There's something wrong. If, if, you've, felt, got, if you've got Jesus yeah. next to the big centre-half, who, who scored quite a few goals for set-pieces, it didn't feel right. I, I think Ben White got drawn to the ball. But really, there should have been someone bigger than Jesus behind him. So uh, I would expect a tweak to, to the way we set up because, yeah, they exploited that, didn't they? But... But, Adrian, and it's going back to the point you made about the fact that we went to 2-1 and then we sort of had to control what was going on for the rest of the time. And we dropped back to almost uh, a 6-3-1 almost. And they didn't really make many chances. Our boys didn't panic, did they? No, no, it was really, it was mature. We used that word about the Man City performance, didn't we? And and yeah, they've, they've gone and done that again. Yeah, I thought we looked after the ball pretty well, defended with real grit. And yeah, there, there were not too many alarm bells, which I think is, no. is delightful. I, I do think, I do think, and we're going to get onto him now, I'm sure. I do think that a little bit like Chelsea away, when I wax lyrical about Declan Rice, taking the game by the scruff of the neck in that second half. The thing I remember from the final 25 minutes is Declan Rice mopping things up 
over and over and over again. And then some, sometimes driving up the pitch with the ball as well. I don't know how many times it happened, but it felt like he was tidying things up in the left-back spot every couple of minutes in that second half. It was it was great from him again. I've been at home already, to be honest with you. I've not felt like a new player, a new person. Declan Rice leads the charge forward for Arsenal. What a run this is! Matthias Munoz caught up by Declan Rice. That's a wonderfully clean challenge. Gotta keep shooting, you know, you shoot, you score. Early shots! Oh, what a finish! What a finish by Declan Rice! He's always there, he's a big person, he's got his aura around him. And uh, when you play for a big club, you need a player in midfield that is able to do Rice, 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 say it good or say it bad. I they feel like they can rise. Below, below, do like they can rise. Do more, no, no, do like they can rise. Really want both them. I mean, James, all the tidying up he does, the driving runs. We, I mean, the, the run that he made when he basically took it past about four players. I mean, I mentioned Patrick Vieira on a podcast a few weeks ago. I'm getting more and more Vieira vibes every time I watch him. I can see why you say that. I mean, that run in particular, the power that he had to get away from people was really impressive. And, you know, we've, we've spoken out in praise of Tommy Asu, but I suppose it helps him a lot having Declan Rice playing kind of almost in the same channel just in front of him. Adrian's right. I mean, the amount of times that he was able to be the first man to the ball. That's what's so impressive, I think. When the second balls drop in that kind of area outside the box, his anticipation and then his acceleration over short spaces to get there, his power to hold the opponent off is so useful. You can't put a price on it, really. It just immediately snuffs out the danger. And he kind of provides a security blanket, really, in that whole midfield area of the pitch. I think he's been... I think he's been brilliant and it, it was a lot of money. But from the start, I spoke about it. Is it a kind of a Sir Alex Ferguson signing, a Manchester United signing from kind of the 90s and noughties period where you would have a player who was one of the best in the Premier League in his position, could be part of your team for the next five, six, seven years. You know you're going to have to pay a premium, but equally it's a known quantity and you know what you're going to get. And that's exactly what Declan Rice has, has done since arriving. It's exactly what I was talking about when I mentioned about Arsene Wenger buying in the 10 to 30 million range and when we really want him to buy in the 50 to 60, but he obviously was hamstrung by the stadium and what mm, have you. Mm, um, mm. Adrian? Yeah, and um, it just came to me that that really when, when James was talking there about picking up those second balls, it's a bit like basketball. In, in basketball, you've got the players that, that get the glory with the three-pointers and the amazing you know, runs and dribbles and, and, and slam dunks, etc. the Michael Jordans. But often the most key players in a basketball team are the rebounders, the ones at the back. That, you know, when, when the ball bounces off the hoop, there they are. They're first on the scene to pick it up and to then give it to the star players again. And, and that is what he is in, in, in a football inversion. He, he is so strong. Dennis Rodman, wasn't he a rebound guy? I think so. I don't know what the exact position is, but, you know, a rebound specialist. And that, yeah. that is what he is in football. And, yeah, it's, it, it makes a colossal difference. It really does. Quite. Uh, also with the same initials, David Raya. <laughs> I, mean, uh, I mean, I'm a bit bored with talking about it, but we will have one more chat. He was obviously lucky at the end. There was a couple of moments he got a bit lucky in the first half when his clearance 
very much like the one away at Lons. And this time, the forward got the ball, but he uh, he miscontrolled it and he went back into his arms. And a couple of other moments which were a bit shaky. James, is it us putting pressure on him? Is it our desire that Aaron Ramsdale comes back in the in, in the team? Or is it just, it's a different thing playing for Arsenal. I mean, he was, he was at Brentford and he was an excellent goalkeeper, but it's different playing in the Champions League for Arsenal. It is, and he's one of the players who be new to performing at that level. You know, a lot of these games that David Raya is playing for Arsenal are some of the biggest games of his career to date. And I think that's something you've got to consider in your evaluation. Thank goodness. I'm sure we're all relieved that punch ended up on top of the net, not in the net. There's a great angle of it, of William Saliba just kind of watching it despairingly, (laughs) thinking, where's this going to drop? I think that was all of us in that moment. If if that drops in, does he get dropped? Uh, That's a hell of a question, isn't it? (laughs) And my, my suspicion is possibly not, just because I feel like it would be so damaging to David Raya to drop him based on that. I think if there's one thing that Arteta managed well in the kind of transition from Ramsdale to Raya was that he didn't drop Ramsdale after a mistake. You know, he he was making the decision based on his opinion, not based on an event that happened mm-hmm. in the last game. But yeah, I, listen, I, it, it, with, with the playing out from the back, I think, look, to a certain extent, I think we have to accept that sometimes you are going to get caught if you're doing that as a goalkeeper. And I think the very best ones get caught. Maybe not with the kind of regularity that that David's had in the the last few games. I also wonder if maybe it's in his head, you know, I'm in this team because I play out short and I don't want to make the same mistake that the other guy made where when the pressure's on, I go long. And I know I can't do that because if I don't do the job, we've got another very capable goalkeeper who come in and do it. So I wonder if maybe it's just overcomplicated a little bit in his mind. And maybe this situation, I think, is actually not really particularly healthy for either goalkeeper. And I'm not sure, you know, a lot of people say, how does Aaron Ramsdale feel? I think we all need to ask as well, how does David Raya feel? You know, does he feel secure? Does he feel confident? Because he'll be very aware of, the, the wider discourse. Will he, though? Because I know that Rambo said he doesn't look at social media and they get, they're get in their little bubble. But you'd hope that he isn't really listening to it. But obviously, when the fans are maybe singing Aaron Ramsdale's name as they were at Chelsea at the weekend, he must, Adrian, he must realise that there's, there's a little bit of disquiet. He knows. He knows. Uh, of course he does. And he knows when he's made a mistake as well. And it's just, as a professional footballer, you've got to be able to park mistakes and learn from them and, and make sure they don't happen regularly. At the moment, there's two mistakes a game. So, you know, did, too, too many. was Ramsdale making two mistakes a game? Probably not, if truth be told. So so he's, he's, only, he's under pressure for yeah. his place. I think it must be in Mikel Arteta's thoughts as to how long does he leave it. Personally, I don't think that it's got to the stage where he deserves to be left out. Um, but then people will argue Ramso didn't deserve to be left out in the first place. But as, as James rightly said, that was an opinion, you know, over over the ability rather than, rather than an event. So Quite. I'll be honest, 
I don't care who's in goal. I've got no allegiance to Ramsdale or Raya. I don't like one above the other particularly. I just want them both to be brilliant. And I think that's the only way this this whole circus ends, really, is if Raya is sensational. So good that we just stop talking about it. That's what we need. If that doesn't happen, if it doesn't happen, this is going to keep on coming up, um, which is distracting. It is. And also, I mean, we're going to have the same conversation in the next couple of weeks, I'm sure. Uh, one more player I want to talk about, Martin Erdegaard. We've had some correspondence from various uh, people. Um, Steve A, simple question. What's up with Martin? First time in a while he's been off for the last few games. And also talking about Martin Erdegaard's form. Me and my friends have been discussing the form of Martin Erdegaard lately. He had an outstanding season last year, but lately we feel like he's having less of an impact on the pitch. Some might say he's been invisible the last few games in the league. Do you think there is an issue here? If so, is this down to individual performance, luck, or a symptom of us being less clinical in attack? What could be the solution? Or are we just seeing ghosts? Best wishes from Martin from Budapest. Thanks for uh, writing in, Martin. James, is it just the fact that, that Partly, anyway, teams have cottoned on to how good he is and they're sitting on him a bit more than perhaps they were last season. I think there's a bit of that. I mean, I'm inclined to throw to Adrian here because, to be honest, I I think he almost hit the nail on the head about this earlier when answering a different question on a different topic when he spoke about teams blocking up the centre against Arsenal. And I think, really, that is why Martin Odegaard is suffering. I think there's a lack of... Space. I think it's incredibly tight in some of these games. Arsenal are facing much deeper, more centralised defences. I think than they did for the for the majority of last season. I think we saw more of that as the season went on, but certainly not in the early period. And I think he's suffering. Do I think there's also kind of an individual component as well? Yeah, I do a little bit. I think he's a little bit off his game. I don't think he's quite feeling himself. I think maybe... Who knows? He could be carrying some disappointment from the international break with Norway. He could be carrying some fatigue from the international break with Norway. He's their international captain. He plays practically every single minute for them. So I think there are other factors to consider, but I think principally this is a a tactical thing. But yeah, I'm intrigued to see how Mikel Arteta and his staff find a way to get him into games because he can be so influential. He can be so creative and, you know, we need him. Yeah, te- teams are working harder to, to to stop us playing through the thirds. That that much is is clear. They don't. They know that when we zigzag that ball through the thirds and get it to Martin Odegaard, they're in trouble. Um, I do think that the link up between uh, Saka, White, and Odegaard has been less prolific this season. I don't know why. I, again, it might be that other teams are working harder to sort of clog up that space. It, it's felt this season that we've. We've 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 left the wingers on their own a bit more. Is Ben White getting forward less? Yeah, it feels like it. But I, I, I liked that at Chelsea because Ben White stayed away. So did Tommy Asu. So that Martinelli and Saka had one v ones. Because if you get if you if your fullbacks always on top of you, and I used to hate this as a winger, if they're always flying round you or, or close to you, they're bringing other players towards you as well. So I think sometimes there's a lot to be said for leaving your wingers, especially Saka and Martinelli, in one v ones. But 
I do think that triangle hasn't been quite as good this season. Um, I don't think there's anything major wrong. I mean, Martin Edegaard still scored a few goals. He's got some really good goals, hasn't he, this season as well. So I think a confident Erdegaard would have hit the target with that chance last yeah, night. Though, yeah, he's, really? yeah he's, we all have dips. We all have a couple of games yeah. where we're we're not quite at it. And he's still young. And it might, Let's not forget. Yeah, it might be the case of... It, He's left out of the Sheffield United to just recharge the batteries and, and to come back the next game. Or Mikel might see it as a game where Mikel, where Erdegaard can absolutely run the show and get some confidence back. You know, if I was Martin Erdegaard, I'd, I'd definitely want to play against Sheffield United because I think it's one of those matches where we should have so much of the ball um, that that he can go and make things happen. So I, it was only it only feels like a couple of weeks ago where I was absolutely waxing lyrical about Erdegaard and how amazingly confident he was in possession of the ball so yeah there's there's no major issue I don't think I think he will play I think he will play against Sheffield United because you know it's Carabao Cup in midweek against West Ham I think he'll he'll sit that one out I am curious to sort of I'm keeping an eye on how exactly Arteta views those two more attacking positions in the midfield and what exactly the hierarchy is there. You know, I think Kai Havertz came on maybe for Martin Odegaard yesterday and played in that sort of right-sided midfield area, which we haven't seen a great deal of. I feel like Fabio Vieira has disappeared slightly. You know, a few weeks ago, it felt like he was on the cusp of Arteta's first 11 and then he wasn't even in the squad at Stamford Bridge. Wasn't even in the squad, yeah. Yeah, so he, he seems to have fallen out of contention rather quickly. I mean, it can change incredibly fast, uh, as Adrian says. You know, Emil Smith-Rowe got off the bench very early on relatively against Chelsea, whereas a few weeks ago we were saying, is he going to get a kick? I think that nothing feels necessarily particularly settled in that part of the pitch. I think there's still competition ongoing and I think we're still trying to unlock the right combinations and and chemistry in there. Um, So, yeah, I'm curious to see how that develops over the next few weeks. Yeah, can we just take a moment to laugh at Eric Lamella getting booked for diving? William Saliba's <laughs> look that. of utter disdain when he went down. I mean, it was funny because on the commentary they went, there were some hearts in mouths. I thought, no, there weren't. No, there, there weren't, were there? No, I mean, nice. none of us thought that was a penalty. James, uh, Mikel Arteta said uh, he liked the first 65 minutes against Sevilla. Uh, he liked the last 15 against Chelsea. We've got to combine them. That's what we got to do, right? And then it's 80, isn't it? Then we're only missing 10. Um, we want, I mean, do we want, uh, will we be happy? I know this is, I don't want to get triumphalist or anything, but this is Sheffield United we're talking about here. This is undoubtedly one of the worst three teams in the division. Um, do we really want a statement performance where we properly put them to the sword on Saturday? Well, I think we had a statement performance in Seville, to be honest, and a statement result. I think it would be good for the group and for morale to get a a convincing win, you know, have some of that really slick attacking combination play that we saw, I think, in the early stages of the second half last night. And we've seen other periods in the season, you know, you think of the PSV game. If we could put on a show like that, I think it would be fantastic. And look, I'm going to be there as a fan, so I'd love nothing more. Arsenal, I think, are going to win this game. Famous last words, but Sheffield United, they're nine games into the Premier League season. They've lost eight. I think they are, with respect, uh, one of the weaker Premier League teams we've had in recent seasons. So I fully expect Arsenal to win this one. Um, It could be a really good game for the likes of Martin Odegaard to find that bit of flow, find that bit of confidence. But I think, you know, three points are essential and and I really, really firmly believe Arsenal will have enough to get them. 
Yeah. Uh, Adrian, Eddie Nketiah, I mean, I'd like to see him get a start at the weekend because I think he does need games. When he came on last night, he looked a bit sluggish. I found myself two or three times. Come on, Eddie, get, you know, I mean, Sergio Ramos is running away from him. And as you noted um, earlier, he can't really run away from anyone. I mean, is he, I don't know what was going on with him last night, but I, but a couple of goals against Sheffield United, that would just put him right in the right frame of mind again, wouldn't it? Yeah, I think that is a good observation. I, th- I thought the same thing, actually. Yeah, he, he was, looked a bit sluggish. Yeah, it's the type of game for him. Obviously, with Jesus, fingers crossed, it's not too bad. I mean, he didn't seem, he didn't seem too, um, too perturbed. He didn't seem upset, did he? So I'm hopeful that, that that's minor. So yeah, but I am assuming he's not going to start against Sheffield United, in which case, up against a team that actually have only two fit centre-halves at the moment, Sheffield United. They normally go over back three, always been a 3-5-2 team, but they've literally got two centre-halves at the moment. One of them is Austin Trusty. Uh, so I think they'll go over back four and a, and a five in midfield and one up front. I think that's what they have to do. But, but the bottom line is, it needs movement. It's, it's not a day where you want to hoist lots of long balls forward to, to a Kai Havertz. I think it is a day for um, Freddie to to go and put, drag people around. So yeah, he he should play and and hopefully he'll run a mock. And what about James? What about almost treating this? We've got West Ham away as well on um, the Tuesday or Wednesday afterwards. It is a squad game. Obviously, we've got a first 11 who we would normally pick, or first 12 or 13, whatever you think. But is it a, a day, Saturday, for some of the um, some of the fringe players? Maybe Emil Smith-Rowe gets a start. Maybe Reese Nelson gets a start. I don't know. I'm just asking the question. Yeah, there's a lot of players who you know got a lot of minutes against both Chelsea and Sevilla. Obviously, the team we started with in Spain was the team that started the second half. So... I think there are a couple of easy changes you can make straight away. For example, Zinchenko coming in at left, at left back. I think he'll be well rested. I think this is a game that will suit him. Arsenal are going to have a ton of the ball. If there is any doubt over Gabriel Jesus, wouldn't surprise me at all to see him left out and see Eddie start. Personally, I think Jesus is fine. These days, the more worried Mikel Arteta sounds, the more I think it's probably okay. I think he's just trying to pull the wool over <laughs> eyes at all times. He is. He is, um, he is. You don't believe a word he says. He's a master of disguise. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I think Jesus sort of gave the game away almost in the mix zone because he seemed fine and was like, I think it's all right. Meanwhile, Arteta's upstairs telling us all he's really sad about the injury. Really sad about it. I I don't know what to believe. But yeah, (laughs) you know, Leandro Trossard, I think, is another who might have a shout to start. Obviously made a really big contribution against Chelsea. But a lot of these squad players are going to start, you'd think, at West Ham in the week in the Carabao Cup. So I think we might see two changes maybe three but I'd be surprised if it's any more than that yeah not wholesale I said last night that I, I thought it might be four actually four but based on the fact that they were two tough games and you, you just mentioned yeah. that and and that pitch was heavy obviously I don't know if you got wet but it was it looked like it was you know it was pretty heavy going for some of the players and that pitch cut up really badly so I think there'd be some tired legs actually today I I mean, West Ham away in the Carabao Cup as well. I know it's not the priority, but you don't want to take liberties with that lineup. I think we'll go relatively strong against against them, surely too. It's about getting the right blend and everyone fit and sharp for Newcastle because that's the real the real test, isn't it, on the horizon? It's a serious. 
serious test. All right, uh, let's have a song before we go. All I've, I've chosen the theme from Shaft. It's nothing to do with anything except Richard Roundtree died yesterday, I think it was, and it's just uh, uh, I absolutely love the tune. So I'm having that just, you know, for him, really. Who's the cat that walk about when there's all about? Right on. James, what you got? I love that. I love that. I listen. I wanted something to do with Gabriel Jesus, but I've done all my sort of Jesus pun-related songs. Um, so yeah. after the Gabby, Gabby, Gabby goal, I was like, well, what other Gabriels are there? I've gone Peter Gabriel Sledgehammer just because it's a big tune. <laughs> yeah. It is, it is a big... Uh, you know what? That's a great description. It is a big yeah. tune. I'd like to hear that out of massive speakers. Uh, um, Adrian, what about you? Is it something sleeping bag related? <laughs> it was kind of a sledgehammer of a right foot shot into the top corner as well, wasn't it? So, yeah, it fits nice. nicely. Uh, yeah, I was going to do uh, the Cheryl Cole classic, which I'm sure Amy will have approved of. Parachutes for 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 pa- the parachute on Sergio Ramos's back, but I've I've declined that in the end. Um, <laughs> I've gone for Gabriel Jesus, almost taunting Sergio Ramos, um, MC Hammer style with "You can't touch this" because you couldn't touch him. You couldn't touch Gabriel Jesus for that that hour or so. He was un. Playable, um, so that's my that's my tune. Can't touch this. Can't touch this. Can't touch this. Can't touch this. My my my. Can't touch this. That's it for this edition. Uh, thank you to Adrian Clark. Thanks to James McNicholas. You can get back on um, UK time now, I'm guessing. And thank uh, thanks to Jay, our producer. And thank you for listening and writing in. We appreciate it. Uh, this has been Handbrake Off, the Arsenal podcast brought to you by The Athletic. See you soon. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.